Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Uh, my entire life has been spent in the province of Alberta. I've lived in both Calgary and Edmonton, been around long enough to recognize the incredible growth in both of those cities. And I don't mean just population. I mean sheer size of the cities themselves. It seems like uh, a new subdivision is added like every month. When I lived in Calgary, this was the late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, we lived in Hidden Valley. Okay, You know where Hidden Valley is? At the time, that was about as far north as you could go in the city of Calgary. Like beyond us was, what was it, Simon Valley's Ranch? Was that the road? Something like that. And it was a dirt road. Like that was it. There was not much to the north of us, if anything at all, you know, until you got to Airdrie. Now, where we lived in Hidden Valley, I mean, it's not inner city, but there's a whole bunch to the north of it. Uh, it just keeps going. Edmonton, you can almost see the North Pole from the north side of Edmonton. Uh, the Anthony Hende, the Ring Road, once sort of seen as the outer ring. Well, now there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people living south of the Anthony Hende. Full disclosure, I don't like it. I do not like urban sprawl. If I was king of the world, I'd say no more. Let's go for density. Infills, multifamily, high-rises, all of it. If we're going to be a big city, let's be a big city. I know a lot of people disagree. And that's why the conversation's fun. Um, that debate itself spilled into City Hall in Edmonton this week. Council there tried to tackle this thorny issue. And it is thorny. Not everybody agrees on it. I understand that. There's a lot of different opinions and views as to what's best for a city. Um, but this is what came up in the city of Edmonton this week. And... Um, some saying, let's do it. Some saying not. It's called the growth management framework that they're debating. Not to oversimplify things, it's two questions, more sprawl or less sprawl. This is Councillor Michael Jans. You want to see lower taxes if you want to see a more sustainable city, not just environmentally, but but economically. That's more exciting, that's more vibrant, that has more things to do, that has better services. Absolutely, we need substantial completion. I think I might agree with Michael Jans for the first time since Michael Jans became a city councillor. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but on this I do. I do. Now I know others don't. Tim Cartmel, another city councillor, goes the other way and says we've got to be careful about what we do. He's going to join us in a few minutes and give us his perspective on urban sprawl and what we need to do with densification. Right now, though, we're going to speak with a guest who I think also will disagree with me. Maybe not, though. Kaylin Anderson, a former Edmonton city planner and the executive director of the Urban Development Institute. Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks so much for inviting me on, Shay. This is a great topic it to is. discuss this morning. It's a fascinating one, and it's an important one, too. It, it really, really is. Now, you represent developers now, um, but you were also a city planner, so you've sort of viewed this from both sides of the equation. What's your view on this particularly troublesome topic, or at least, you know, one that has two sides to it? What's your view? Well, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I think I'm in a really interesting and privileged position to have been um, working in urban planning for most of my career, and now I'm facilitating development. So planning and development are like two peas in the pod. Um, I like to say that um, uh, planning without development is a dream, uh, and development without planning can be a disaster. So both go together, and um, 
I, uh, I actually had the, also the privilege of leading the city plan, which yeah. is Edmonton's long range plan as we grow from one to two million people. And that'll probably take about four decades, but, uh, very deliberately it wasn't created, um, around certain, uh, dates or timeframes. It was about reaching these different population thresholds as we grow. So, uh, the city plan, I think, is pretty comprehensive. It looks at, redeveloping our center city, really emboldening our downtown, redeveloping nodes and corridors, which are kind of like town centers and main streets across our community, uh, some of which are very obvious, like maybe 124th Street and others that are less so because they will become main streets in about 30 years, but we can already see the bones of them. In addition to that, we also um, really clearly spelled out where growth would happen across the city in terms of new communities. And at the end of the day, the goal is to achieve 50% infill and 50% yeah. new neighborhood growth. Yeah. Now, the question is uh, the cost. That's what it comes down to. And, they, you know, if you're running a city, that's, that's what you should be looking at. And the argument is the cost that we bear as taxpayers with the new infrastructure that's required for the new subdivisions. Right. That's one of the arguments as a city planner and as a developer. Uh, wh- wh- where do you see that argument going? Is it more cost effective to densify, you know, existing neighborhoods, or is it cheaper to actually go and continue to build new subdivisions? Well, great question. And I guess the first thing I would say is no city building is free. So there's no get out of jail free card here for anyone. Um, There are a lot of costs that are required uh, to support infill development, particularly around our pipes and our roads and our transit and our urban design. So there is a cost associated with that. When it comes to new neighborhoods, um, of course, the same things apply, but the focus from the, um, the municipal perspective would be more of the longer term operations and maintenance of the areas because yep. it's actually the private sector that puts them in. So what I would say is that investing in our city, um, you know, I think we need to be very cognizant of what we're doing, but investing in our city should be seen as an opportunity, not a kind of a, a negative thing that we need to avoid. Um, the last thing I'd want to see is, oh, my goodness, it's expensive for us to have people to uh, live in Edmonton. So let's just close the gates, pull up the hatches um, and, and block growth from happening. We all that know that's not possible. So when we think about efficiently running a city, um, we need to consider uh, the density of the urban environment, the, the, the amenities that will be close to home or closer to home for people so that they don't have that added burden as the city expands of traveling, you know, across town to meet their daily needs. Um, youth sports maybe not included because I know that's one area that people are often having to go to all kinds of communities um, to support their kids. But um, all in, we need to be looking at, you know, how is it that we can be efficient, but how is it that we can also meet the market and allow people to be able to live in the places that they want to call home? Because I think it's important to remember that this is not really a philosophical conversation for most individuals. They're really just looking for the best place where they can make a good sound financial investment to secure their family's um, uh, prosperity, ideally, or at least to mitigate kind of some of the risks, but also to connect with community and family and maybe even cultural groups and be close to their jobs or other um, amenities that would drive them into one part of the city or another. Yeah, absolutely. People are going to make choices for any number of reasons. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, what I'm wondering is, like you say, a 50-50 split. Let's try and focus on the densification. Let's try and focus on the, you know, and, and do both at the same time, which sounds like a reasonable solution. Um, do you, 
do you buy into the concern that if we don't offer the subdivisions and, and those sorts of things, people will flee to other cities? If we don't get this right, people will move, not flee, I shouldn't say that, but they'll, they'll, they'll move to Sherwood Park or they'll go to St. Albert or they'll go to Beaumont. A lot of people are going to Beaumont. Like, if you don't get this right, you could really hurt your own city's growth. And like you talk about investment, because there's a lot of other options right there. Well, I, I think I think that's bang on. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, anybody who would say that constraining land supply um, will not create scarcity, ultimately drive up prices and have the potential to actually drive people into more affordable markets, isn't looking at the whole picture very soberly. So I think that's a risk. Um, And uh, I think that, you know, the city plan, uh, when it was actually created, the city plan all in was meant to save, ideally, if things go according to plan, save the taxpayer 8%. And that's based on um, in terms of their taxes, that's based on the urban form that's proposed, which includes both those suburban neighborhoods and the infill development. So it's fairly disingenuous, I think, to say that if we grow new suburbs, um, we're not going to reach that tar- target because, in fact, the entire city plan was built on that mm. um, that development scheme. Uh, so I think, you know, I think as we uh, consider what it means to be in a major Canadian city right now with a national housing crisis where people are borderline freaking out that they can't afford yep, homes or they're sure. that their kids will never move out. I mean, I think that we need to be considering things like, hey, if we actually limit supply, drive up the costs and push people out, is that the outcome we're actually trying to achieve? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us. A great perspective. I appreciate your time.